It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I would let my children go. Absolutely not if I felt that they weren't safe. This is a suckling all over the place. Surely an energy director like has to look at these price rises and say, are these justified? You take the kids, we'll take the bags. The kindness in her words, do you know what? I felt the tears flow. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96FM. June, what? You'd forget what day of the week you had on a week like this. It's Wednesday, isn't it? It is. Just check Wednesday all day. Good morning. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number of the text of WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. Your newspapers this morning full of pictures from Turkey and it's fantastic to see. We're just great as people, as Irish people, but particularly I think as Cork people. We featured the start of it yesterday. The attempts underway to get aid to Turkey and to Syria, to the border there between those two countries. There are some Heartrending photographs in your newspapers this morning. There's one on the front of, is it the Echo or the Examiner? The Examiner, I think I saw, of a man sitting in a pile of rubble holding the hand of his, his dead daughter. It's, it's just heartrending. And on the other side of that is the story that's broken through this morning of a baby. Now, her mother, God rest the woman, died after she was born, but a newborn, born under the rubble and healthy which is you know, it's just it's another part of the world it's a part you might have been there on holidays but otherwise we know little or nothing about it I mean even yesterday talking to Pamela the sheer size of the place is something that's so hard to get your head around but we're talking like 17 hours drive between two cities that doesn't make sense to, to a lot of us who just live here in small little Ireland but there is great efforts underway already to get aid to the people of Turkey and, and Syria. So we'll, we'll get back to that during the morning. First of all, though, yesterday, big response to Susan and her situation. This morning, I read uh, the Barnardo's report. I'll go through it in a bit more detail this morning, but the headline figures are scary. Three out of ten parents have now skipped a meal or reduced their own portions to ensure their kids had enough to eat. That was during... 2022. One in four has cut down on a payment towards a household bill like gas and electric in order to be able to afford food. That's the decision now. One in four parents now deciding to heat 
or to eat. That report is out in all of the papers and on the radio news this morning. Am I going to one or two, guys? I think it's one. Moira, you are a retired nurse. You have, you have, you have youngsters in their thirties now, and and I look, I have a daughter and son, daughter in their late twenties. I fear for them going out into the world. You're the same, I think. Good morning. Well, I mean, they're out in the world already and they're working, thankfully. Yeah. But like in general, I have fear for the generation, not just my particular children. And before I even start to talk, my son just asked me to say three things on their generation's behalf. He said if the housing prices were gauged like inflation and in tantamount with inflation, that every semi-detached house in this country should only be worth €150,000. Secondly, as a lot of them have said, a whole generation has been locked out of the ability to be able to buy a house, all based on bad economy and on debts. And thirdly, he said even in Syria, it was illegal to be a landlord and that the majority of people that couldn't afford a house were offered houses from the government. It was illegal and that's a second Mm. world country. So, I mean, my point here, PJ, is that I know we started yesterday this topic talking about homelessness and the dire poverty and the hardship now that our current society is experiencing. Mm. I think we should go back on the political pathway from 2008, which has led us to this horrible, disastrous dilemma. I mean, the peace shook back then in Kenny. He granted the bondholders unguaranteed loans, and they got all that paid back when the banks collapsed in 2008. But the ordinary man in the street had to continue on, pay the bank loans at great interest hikes, um, the ordinary people like you and me that keep this country going, right? We still had to pay all our bills. Um, property, like, went up. People were asked to invest in property portfolios by places like TSB. They all collapsed. Mm-hmm. And yet, no, the banks, they were the culprits and the people that benefited from all this, these so-called bondholders. But they all got out of it easily. But you and I had to carry the can. And all this, you know, USC charges and all these things that were introduced. Now, as far as I'm concerned, to me, like these, all this is like, it's just disgusting financial conspiracy as far as I'm concerned. And like what happened then was ordinary people, young people at the time, were either trying to get on the the property ladder, couldn't do that because interest rates were too high. Maybe work wasn't available. And then what happened? People had to rent as opposed to buy. And then the fat cat landlords, and I'm sure a lot of them were politicians too, you know, decide let's hike up the the, the, the rent. And then they went to exorbitant prices. And then that led to homelessness. And now we are where we are, decent, honest people. And as I said to Emer earlier, I trained in the North Chad, as we used to call it, the North Infirmary. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Of course, yeah. And very proud to be a nurse. I was and worked all my life, paid my taxes and I'm retired now and I'm comfortable. But like I earned that and I don't feel guilty about that. But like I feel sorry for people who are like me now. They probably will never get to the stage like we are, you know, because they won't be able to. And like when I worked in the North Infirmary, we used to, when I worked in the A&E department, we used to have all the old winos as we used to call them then. I mean, it's not a nice word and I don't mean it disrespectfully. It wasn't, I think Maura, it wasn't even meant disrespectfully then. We just don't use it now. We don't Sorry. use it now. And they used to come in there in the evening about half seven and they'd ask for Maalox, which is now what we call Gabbiscon, yeah. because God love them, they'd be drinking all day on the street. There were very little women then. And I used to say to myself and the girls, I woke up, God, they're very nice people. Like, they're not like what we expect them to be at all. And then I decided I'd do charity work for Simon Community and when it was based on John Street and over in Boring Manor Road. And like after that, then my passion became homeless. Like I still am very passionate about it. And, you know, I... I, I give a couple of quid every month to the MQI, the Merchant's Key, 
just to keep myself not feeling guilty. I don't give a lot, but I give a little. And it makes me feel okay that I'm contributing to it. But I think like it's a dreadful burden that all these 20-year-olds coming up now, 30-year-olds, and even 40-year-olds, they're all bearing the burden of all this. Mm. And like the, the, the politicians don't care. And like I'm going back then to a time, you probably remember it, when Gay Burden, in, you know, when he interviewed Porrick Flynn that time, you know, oh, and he asked Porrick... I'm running three houses, you tried sometime. That whole nonsense, yeah. Yeah, and he said to him, and Porrick Flynn's answer was because he had multi-property. He said, oh, you should have to have money to fund all that. Money to fund, like a joke. As if to say, like, it was a necessity. And then his daughter was in, in debt for a million. She mm. got a, a gift of a million to pay back that loan. There was no tax involved there. So, Moira, how, how do those of us who are looking at people coming up after us and yeah. I don't know I don't know what age you are I'm not going to ask but I'm 65 I've no qualms about okay. it well what how do and I'm, I'm a bit younger than that but how do we look at people in their 30s and their 20s and in their late teens who are t- trying to get onto the first step of the ladder like we did in our time what yeah. how what do we do well what do we do is right I mean like as parents as I said we, we try to give. And there's the bank of mom and dad, I suppose, which is probably the busiest bank on the planet at this stage because, as they say, we the boomerang children, like, they're coming back and all this. What do you do? I mean, you can work for them because you're retired. You can set their wages, their salaries. I think, you know, it's just, it's pathetic. It's, 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 it's a dreadful situation, I'll be honest with you. For young people, I'm feeling very sorry for them because, like, they, a lot of the children, your children and my children, were born during the boom. Mm. So they never, ever knew what hardship was. No, I'm not saying I knew hardship either. I'm sure you didn't. But in our day, PJ, you kind of like, you, you got your old summer job and you kept your couple of quid and, you know, you made do with the little bit you had and your parents wouldn't be giving you a car when you passed your driving no, test at 17. No, and, you know. So but bring it more up to date, Moira. I can remember, I'm sure you can, but I can remember the last crash. I can remember the crash in 2007, 2008 when, when the arse, remember the, the arse well, fell out of everyone. Well, yes, but let's, let's just bring, bring it up to something people can more remember recently. I remember when the arse fell out of everything in 2008, 2010. That's what I'm talking about as well, and I yeah. look, I look back at it now and I'm thinking, that wasn't as bad as this. No, it wasn't, but I think it was where it started. It, it, it was there. It started. I mean, when did we ever hear of those exorbitant rents? Rents were never an issue before. When rent was a waste of money, if you could be buying a house. Mm-hmm. But rent was never a thing that was hanging around your neck and prevented you from saving to buy a house. So do you know do, what I mean? So it was a do? different time. So it was a do? different time. And I think the generation that are now, they're working in good jobs, they're earning good money, and they still can't get mm-hmm. it together. Garden, you know? garden and nurse... Garden and nurse using a food bank. Well, like, I mean, that's what I said to Eva this morning. I mean, I know loads of my colleagues that worked as guards, and I know loads of guards that worked, worked married to other people as well. But, like, before, if a nurse and a guard were married, they were made. I mean, you, you, you two government jobs, and you were never going to be out of work, yeah. and you had good money coming in. You would never be. Now they're using food banks. But you wouldn't be, gone, you wouldn't be badly off either. Yeah. But nowadays, I they're mean. Use, they're using food banks. It's terrible. It's absolutely... I mean, I can't comprehend it because, thankfully, I've never been in that situation. And, thankfully, my own children aren't in that situation. And I'm not specifically talking about my children. I just feel sorry for the generation in general. Like, there's just no... And, like, I mean, when all this happened, right, they were children that were born into what I say, the boom, where, as I said, if you passed your driving test, you got a car. And, you know, they never knew what it was to be without the bank of mum and dad. And then when this crash happened in 2008, those children, through no fault of their own, 
suffered dreadfully. Like you and I in the 80s, we'd say, ah, sure, we never had much anyway, so it doesn't matter. And you got on with it. Well, I, I, you, I, I don't quite remember that. Well, I younger. do remember it because I worked in a particular hospital in Cork and I was a health board nurse so I had a guaranteed income and I was very, very lucky in the 80s. I never knew what it was like to be out of work but a lot of my colleagues were out of work and their husbands were out of work and it was dreadful time but the difference then was that the ordinary Joe Public the ordinary taxpayer that wasn't too wealthy, that wasn't poor, you know, you kind of put up with what was there and you got on with it because you you never had... Because you, you could. Yeah, because, and you knew how to do it. But you see, this generation, God loves them through no fault of their own, don't know how to do it. And they're the people that are bearing the brunt. And it's going to be years before they get off their feet. They finished, we finished the 2008 downturn and then we turned into COVID. And we all know what that brought about. And then the Ukraine war, which is again, nothing against the Ukraine people. Now this is all brewing. There seems to be tragedy after tragedy hitting that generation. Mm-hmm. And like we're here saying, God love them. What can we do for them? You do your best for them, but you're sti- your hands are still tied because there's only so much you can do. And I think the thing about the politicians, PJ, is that like we should do what the Icelanders did. They should put them to bloody jail. They, I don't know if it was the bankers and the politicians. I don't know what cohort of people. A bunch, kind of a combination of both. They rounded them up and jailed them, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think our politicians, first and foremost, you said it yesterday, they're not accountable for the money they're spending, and it's our money. They're not transparent, okay? And I mean, at the end of the day, I think politicians walk on the old dash, you know, ah, they're an old being of all people. No, should they all, they'll all, you know, vote us in, and should they never give out about us, and they'll be happy out. But that's not the way anymore, because there's too much unrest in this country. Educated people with good jobs aren't mm. surviving. They're only surviving. They're not living the way they should be living. And God help the poor people like Susan yesterday. They uh-huh. haven't a prayer. They haven't a prayer. So, like, I think like politicians should be made more accountable. They should be made, there should be transparency, right? We should treat them like the criminals that some of them are and not leave them get away because you and I, if you got a present of 5,000, the bank would want to know where it came from and you'd have have to pay your tax on it and you'd bloody well better tell them where it came from. If I I went into the bank tomorrow, if I went into the bank tomorrow with a big cheque to pay off any loans I have, yeah. The taxman will want to know where I got it from. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the truth. That is the truth of it. That is and the, I asked somebody yesterday, actually, because I was listening to your show, and I was, I'm, I'm kind of passionate about young people, uh, you know, not being able to get off, on, get, get off on their feet, and I'm very passionate about people not having a home over their head. Um, the thing is, like, I asked people yesterday, and I asked this girl, and she said, well, we're going to go for a loan, but, like, there's, like, a, a thing that you tick. I think it was TSB. Now, I'm not sure what bank, and I'm not running down any particular bank, even though I suppose they're all tar- with the one brush anyway but I think there was a box where you would tick like uh, do you expect to get a gift or something would it be 5,010 or 15 and they were afraid to tick it because they didn't know like if, if you get I think there's only a limit you can get That's right. and anything after that then and they well, were afraid to tick it because the, they didn't the, know the, the tax man is sniffing around if you have any couple of extra quid Myra you've opened a conversation let us see where it goes appreciate your email yesterday appreciate your call today Mick says here here she should run for office. I've enjoyed our chat, Moira. Let's see where it goes. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Listen on the back of Susan yesterday and others like Mucca. Like I knew Mucca when he was a successful DJ working about town. He was always busy. He was working six, seven nights a week. Look at him now. Look at him. And he was talking to me yesterday. 0818 96 96 96. There has been a break in at a very, very popular cafe 
in the city. And the owner is asking, can anybody help? Go there next. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Cork's 96. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Okay, Isadine from Is Cafe on George's Key. When did this happen, Is Do you know? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it actually happened uh, last uh, last night. Not the, uh, sorry. Uh, Early hours of Tuesday, was this? Yes, yeah, Tuesday, 7, uh, at about 20 to 4. Okay, okay. So what did they get? How much damage did they do? Uh, he was trying to break the cash drawer for about 30 minutes, and uh, then uh, he, when he failed to do so, he broke a few knives. Uh, he had to cut the uh, wire of the uh, cash drawer and uh, take the whole cash drawer with him. Get much? Uh, not too much. It's about 600 uh, euros. Okay. Okay. And did he do, uh, other than taking your cash machine and everything and your cash register made off with that, did he do actual physical damage to the calf? Uh, not really, actually. Only the few knives that he broke. They are actually chef knives, so, so they're a little expensive. Nothing uh, beyond that. Have you have you CCTV? Have you been picked up on who it is? Or yeah, yeah, actually, it was uh, uh, the footage was collected by the guards, and they are uh, proceeding with their investigation. Yeah, they they came and examined the place, and you found them good. Yes, yes, they were excellent when cooperating, and uh, hopefully, they would be able to uh, uh, achieve something. Good. You're wondering though if anybody look. It was a late at night, stroke early morning, if anybody was walking around that part of town that might have seen anything? I don't think so. It, actually, when I was uh, in the cafe, when I come to the cafe and found the what happened, it was about 10 a.m., so there was a big difference and the, the street was busy anyway. Yeah, okay. So did, did he push the door in or smash a window or how did he get in? Uh, he was trying to open the front door. He failed uh, when I was uh, looking at the cameras. And uh, then he went to the building door, and it looks like it was forgotten open. And from the building, he uh, broke a, a smaller door between us and the building, the apartments. I see. Oh, yes, of course. You yeah, okay. so he broke that door, and he managed to enter the place from the staff bathroom. I see, I see. It's a, it's a, it's a frightening time. You, you, you kind of feel, don't you, is you feel invaded. You feel no matter you know how much you can put the calf back together again, no matter how much insurance will help you out and all that, you feel invaded. Exactly. It's, it's all about the inconvenience of the, the issue, not the real loss. Uh, yeah. Will you, be, will you be able to get open again? Uh, we are open now. We are preparing. Uh, we usually start our week on Wednesdays. Uh, and what happened 
it wasn't a closing day anyway. Uh, this gave us uh, a good uh, time to manage and clean the place and uh, find an alternative cash drawer. Very good. All right. Some good luck with it is, and I hope that the guards will track down this individual. And thank you for your call and thanks for the, uh, the cooperation from everyone. Not at all. And if anybody can help with that break-in, that is Cafe on George's Key, early hours of Tuesday morning. Um, got in through another building, but it sounds like what is is telling me. Got away with the cash drawer, the cash register, 600 and odd euro in it. Broke a few expensive knives and things like that. Uh, guards have a file open, as they say. But if anybody saw anything and can help the, the gather confidential is 1-800-666-111 on the phone listening to Mara surely every country is now in financial difficulty even more so than in the crash of 2007-2010 we have to learn that sharing is caring and we just work harder and make life easier for those we come across in need when we can I don't really see this as a government problem it's a view it's a view that the economy is healthy. That is a fact. There's a surplus in the bank, in the government's bank, for more difficulties to come. That's a fact. We are almost at full employment. That's a fact. All these facts held up against Susan's situation and Mucca's situation. Do you know what I mean? 0818 96 96 96. Are you having trouble this morning with the Duns app? It would appear that you can't re- redeem your vouchers through the Duns app. Duns say they're working on it. But could we let listeners know? The shopping apps now, you don't get the, your vouchers in the post anymore. They come onto your app. You redeem the. Well, they're having trouble this morning with Duns. I'm trying to put it right, but. If you were going off to do your bit of shopping tomorrow and you'd save up a few vouchers, you'd prefer to to be able to um, to get at your vouchers, wouldn't you? 0818 96 96 96. Right. We didn't talk about Eurovision yesterday um, because there was a lot more going on. But have we picked the right song? And what did you think of what happened on Friday night? It turned out, like I said, exactly as I had predicted it. I predicted that Wild Youth would win it. Uh, I predicted that uh, Johnny Lydon wouldn't. Unfortunately, he, I, I wanted him to, but he, but he didn't. Uh, and now Wild Youth will go on to represent us in Liverpool. And in second place was a song called Midnight Summer Sky uh, by a band called Connolly, 19-year-old Jennifer Connolly, who's got a massive singing voice, incredible singing voice. I just didn't like the song as a package. I thought it was pretentious. To be honest with you, I think the Wild Youth song was always going to win. Uh, Johnny Lydon, I would love to have seen win, but really didn't ever think he would. But for me, um, Wild Youth is not a bad pick and will represent us well in in Liverpool. But Joe, I think you you just had problems with the whole thing and where we stand right now with it and where we stand in terms of, of our Eurovision hopes. Morning. Yeah, PJ, I suppose one thing, um, apart from the songs, I, I, I do believe the, the best two songs fill the first two births. And initially, you know, I was of the school of thought that Connolly would win. I was pretty confident it would win. Right. 
the, the winning song has kind of grown in me in the interim, so maybe um, I was a little bit hasty with my judgment of uh, Kylie as being a, a shoe in watching mm. the competition. But uh, as I say, overall, the one thing that on the night that maybe disappointed me was the, the whole production. When you compare it maybe with Dancing with the Stars, which is done by Shinna Will Productions, yes. I think maybe that's the route they should go down using Ardmore Studios maybe separated from the Late Late Show. I know in Sweden, they put a lot of emphasis on the national song contest. They have a huge build-up over a period of weeks yep. showing the heat semi-finals and the final. It's a big, grand, lavish production. We and used to have something. a national song contest, Joe, where we would have it in a theatre and it would be a national event and there would be eight juries up and down the country and it would be a big, big night. It, it, now, now it's just a bit of a Late Late Show. Yeah, and maybe that's where it's it's kind of underwhelming. Maybe it needs to be a standalone event again to kind of regain its pomp. As you say, I think it was in the Opera House maybe once or twice, you know, growing up watching, looking in. So uh, I, I think maybe to reinvent ourselves because let's face it, since the semi-finals were introduced, we failed to reach the final on 10 occasions. Mm. And I think Ryan O'Shaughnessy was our last performer to, to get to the final. And we've had some underwhelming results um, Jedward I think were our highest placing uh, in eighth and for a country you know who won it on three occasions consecutively mm. and I think around that era when we did the three in a row we also uh, I think we had maybe four wins in six years and That's also right. a second placing so seven wins you know but a lot of the younger generation wouldn't be familiar with that era they, they've grown up on a diet of Ireland failing to reach the final yes They've also grown up with a much different Eurovision than you and I remember, where it was all juries, there was no public voting, there was no telepolls, and we struggle in a world of telepolling, for some reason best known to the gods above. Yeah, and even looking at our neighbours, the UK, they've been struggling for a while, but they came up with a really, really good song last year. They probably would have won the competition, but for the maybe the Ukraine factor... And that might be relevant again this year. Mm. Um, well, the other advantage that the UK always always have is no matter how good or bad the song, and they've had some right flops in there over the years, they're always in the final because they're one of the big five. Yeah, they're automatic. So that is that is a disappointment. And giving our track record, you'd be you'd you'd have imagined we could push for a similar scenario, but unfortunately, that's not the way it, it's it's worked out from our perspective. You know, I was looking at other ideas that maybe we could go down. Obviously, I would love to see a much bigger and better national song contest standalone, separated from the Late Late Show, as I say, maybe Ushin, Will Productions, Ardmore Studios, something like that. Mm. But also maybe uh, the UK tried um, putting in Blue a few years ago. That didn't work. But what about looking at the lines of Westlife? I know Nicky Byrne represented us one year, but maybe looking at maybe Johnny Logan in combination with a, a high-profile female yeah. thing or something along those lines. But I think we need to think a little bit outside the box. I think, you know, yeah. the, the six songs that we saw on Friday night, two of them were miles ahead of the rest and the other four were underwhelming. Interestingly, the I thought anyway the most sensible comments from the panel in studio were coming from Jedward. In terms of two guys who've gone there, who've got to a final, who performed in a final, and laugh as we might at them, they were talking a lot of sense on Friday night. I said here on this program um, that 
my heart would have been with Johnny Lydon because I'm kind of of that era. My head was with Wild Youth. I saw nothing on Friday night to challenge that. Yeah, I would have grown up as well being a big fan of Johnny, but, you know, unfortunately it wasn't to be. It was a, a poignant song from his perspective and, you know, meant a lot to him, but, you know, on the night mm. the delivery just didn't match the, you know, the, the whole invincibility or, you know, the whole method about the song and, and what it meant to him, but that was disappointing. But yeah. as you say, I would concur with you, Jedward on the night, I wouldn't be a big fan of Jedward, but I thought they made an awful lot of sense on the mm. night and, and the best feedback, some of the feedback I found was a little cringy oh, as terrible. well. Oh, uh, terrible. Nobody, nobody disliked anything. It was all so happy, clappy, hippy, dippy, we're all wonderful. I thought it was ridiculous and I agree with you there. Just on the wild youth thing, sending them forward, if you look how popular they are, did you see the way he was Connor was channeling Harry Styles with every muscle in his body. They know what they're at. I, I have a good feeling about them. Yeah, the, the more, as I, as I say, I was disappointed initially on Friday night because maybe that was my own personal thing, my own personal choice being Connolly. But now, having listened a few times to the winning song, it is quite catchy. And as I say, they are, they have a lot of popularity. Um, they have a lot of connections as well, given they've toured with Niall Horn and few other high profile Luz Capaldi so, Westlife yeah, Luz yeah. Capaldi, yeah so definitely there's scope there for um, you know definitely you, I, I, I'd be quite optimistic they'd get out of the well, semi-finals which initially that's an know, achievement for us happen. but you remember a few years ago and again Italy being one of the top five or the big five it doesn't always count but Manskin Manskin won it and my friend Dermot Manning said to me afterwards, he said, I told you six weeks ago because of their social media profile. Now, some of the individual members of Wild Youth have a big social media profile. So maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe we've picked the right one. Yeah, hopefully, as you say, social media is huge nowadays in competitions like this. And very often you get very accurate ideas of who's going to win from mm. some of the huge online social media polls as well. It's been a great barometer so given, as you said, our popularity, hopefully, um, you know, we, we can at least, at the very least, get back into the final. Which brings me back to a key question, Joe. What is it about this blasted thing that fellas like you and me and many more besides, keep coming back to year in, year out? What is it? What do you think is the, the what's the, the attraction of Eurovision for you? For me, the whole night, uh, you know, growing up as a child, we used to do a family sweepstake. Um, it's now become a much more bigger, glitzier event in far more countries as well. Uh, you know, the songs, I, I like watching the semi-finals now even. I'd be familiar with a lot of the songs even before the semi-finals, watching them maybe on YouTube. Then the final itself, the whole presentation, um, it's glitzy. Um, at times it can be cringe. But then the voting, of course, which has confused a lot of people in recent years. People, you know, in midstream uh, seem to think there's going to be a certain result, but they're not all fair maybe with the fact that the, the popular vote can be key. So yeah. there's real excitement. And yes. We saw that last year. It was very, very dramatic, the, the voting. Yeah, we kind of all knew Ukraine were going to win last year, but we didn't expect Sam Ryder to jump into second place for, for the UK. Joe, a pleasure talking to you. We look forward to it anyway, regardless of what happens. Yeah, and for all those people, I think there's a lot of people out there who say they wouldn't watch it, but they're kind of closet watchers. Of course they are. It's the biggest television music show in the world. See you, Joe. Thanks, PJ. Thanks a million. Thanks, Joe. Did he just say, think out of the box with Johnny Logan? Now there's a laugh, says Paul.
Maybe Johnny Logan's the only person to win it three times. He won it with his own song. He won it with somebody else's song. And somebody else won it with his song. So he kind of knows how to win the thing. So we wouldn't be having that much of a laugh. And just in terms of winning, I just noticed something. I thought of it this morning. Talking to Joe. It's 30 years, lads, since the Eurovision was in Mill Street. 30 years ago. And it was May 1993 that the Eurovision was in, in Mill Street. Your thoughts? Welcome. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You made me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates And wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services See 96fm.ie for more 96fm.ie for more The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th You made me me feel Only on Cork's 96fm Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the opinion Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. So it's a while ago now. It would be probably, it was the middle of COVID, so it could be as far back as two years ago. I first spoke to uh, Evan Garns. Um, Evan's brother, Andrew, uh, died at Cork Prison in September. Oh, he uh, died in hospital after an attempt on his life at Cork Prison in September 2020. His inquest was finally held in the last few days and he was, we've learned at that inquest he was suffering very distressing delusions and he had several risk factors, six risk factors for suicide. We also learned that medical staff saw him for less than five minutes on the last day of his life and the day he, he took his life. Uh, all that came out at the inquest uh, last week. Andrew was 29, uh, former engineer, father of two from Model Farm Road. Uh, agonizingly and desperately, sadly, we heard he was heard calling for his mother in the hours before his death. I've spoken more than once with his brother, Evan. Evan, I suppose getting to the inquest was a relief and some kind of closure for the family, but but now that you know what happened, uh, how do you all feel? Good morning. Oh, good morning, PJ. Um, well, a small bit angry, um, but a bit of closure. Um, we can move on a small bit, but without forgetting Andrew, we can mourn his loss now, you know. Yes. Um, it took a long fight to, to get where we were uh, last Wednesday mm. to Friday. Um, but yeah, a small bit angry about about stuff, but, but we'll get through it together as yeah. a family. Initially, the delay was why you were talking to me back along. The delay in getting the inquest held. Yeah, what What is making was. you angry now after the inquest? Um, just um, just his care um within the within the medical system and within the prison. Um, you know, he, he he's we believe as a family his life could have been saved. Really, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, certainly what came out. And there was a report, wasn't there, from the Office of the Inspector of Prisons, which yeah, you got your hands on, proved very hard to get your hands on that report. Oh, very hard. Without Thomas School and Donna Colera, I, I wouldn't, and I want to thank them as well. Without them, honestly, on the Friday before the week for the inquest, uh, Thomas's office made a call to Simon Harris to get the, the report. I got the report 48 hours before the inquest. Yeah. 
you sent it on and I read it and it's uh, it's it's not it's not good for Cork prison is it no no but like they know about this glitch in the IT system as well since 2020 and, and still to this day it's 23 now and it has been fixed so tell tell people about that who haven't had the chance of reading yeah. it in the report so and his committal records um, in uh, 2020 um, some of the the drop downs in the IT system uh, appeared in the the system without without the doctor asking any or the nurse asking any questions or anything like that, and it just appeared. But it so happened that it came up in Andrews that that there was a previous suicide attempt, which which is good in a way, but it's bad for in other ways. And uh, they that came up in 2020, and they still never, even though that went into the system that they still never put Andrew on a special observation. Yes, and you feel that because that was in his records, he, he should have yeah. been getting yeah. special and, observations. And you, you believe, don't you, uh, Evan, you and the family, that his life could have been saved and that he could still be alive today? Yeah, we do, strongly, very strongly. Like if, um, look, I know nurses and doctors have a duty of care and they're clinical but I just think they failed him. We believe that they failed him. Yeah. Um, th- and they did, and it, it came out over the, in the inquest. Like, um, t- if they knew that there's something wrong, they wouldn't have done 13 checks. If, like, after the second check, if they move into a special organization cell, we might still have Andrew today, you know? Yes, yes, yes. The, 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 um, some 11 of them checks were only one to two seconds, yes. and the other two checks were from medical staff, which lasted over just five minutes. Yes, he, he doesn't seem to have been. Properly checked, yeah, yeah. One thing that came out was a phone call from your mom to, to the prison, and you don't believe that that was taken seriously enough either. No, um, well, there's not many mothers going back to prison saying they're concerned for their sons, really. Um, and you know, and being reassured, my mother being reassured on the phone that they'll take. They're aware of the situation. What situation were they aware of? You know, you know, if they thought that Andrew's life or he was not right and they were aware of it, why didn't they act on it, yeah. you know, straight away, you know? Yeah, and um, the, the, the coroner was very critical, wasn't he, of record-keeping yeah. and note-taking and, and all of these things. Oh, yeah. But like, it's like if you go to A&E, like, and your past history is not there, like, and they start treating you for something that you that you don't have, and you know, yeah. or, or something new that you did have, you know, it's, it's very important, like, to keep yeah. a record of it. And, I want the government to, to to change all this and review. And it seemingly um, there was an an and the and the Kelly was a consultant into the nurse and uh, for the for the state. And he, he said this system is throughout all the Irish prisons, yeah. men and women, and, and it needs to be changed now. Like they know yes. since twenty twenty. Well, that's, that's, that's what the that's what the coroner said. The independent review of all medical care has been recommended. Following his death, that's a coroner's recommendation from from the inquest. You, you talked briefly at the start about about closure. Like, can you now get on with your lives? Like, how is how's your how's your mom after all this? Evan? Um, she went back to work um, yesterday. Um, bit of normality. Um, so yeah, she, she look. She, she she was very upset for them over the weekend, and thank God it was a long weekend though. And she got a bit more rest, but she she was she was uh, devastated, you know. And she didn't know that he was calling her name, you know, um, on the night before he died, you know. 
um, mm. prison up and put their ears up into the cell. That was very tough for her to hear that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. She stepped out in the court at one stage when the CCTV was was being shown um, to the, the coroner's court. Um, so, you know, she, she didn't want to see on any of that. Yeah. Do you believe, because I remember we talked about this before, Evan, do you believe you've done your best by your brother now? Are you happy? Yeah. Um, no matter what the outcome is, I can hold, hold my head held high. I've done everything. I fought for everything for him. Um, I and get the best and get the truth. And, you know, behind every statistic, there's a, there's a human being, you know. That's right. Um, you know, there's someone, son, father, brother, you know, or sister, you know, no matter where it is. But, yeah, I, I gave a nice fight for him. And you shouldn't have to do that, PJ. I shouldn't have to ring a radio station to fight for uh, basic rights. I shouldn't have to get a... I shouldn't have to fight for uh, a report on the death of my brother or my mother or her son, you know. I shouldn't have to fight for a coroner's court in the yes, city, right. uh, which the issue still hasn't been. And I call on the Lord Mayor to act. I, I'm after writing to each Lord Mayor since I haven't known to them to dare forward what I will be. And they need to act now and just give the resources where they're needed. Yeah, that came up previously as well. The resources in the coroner's office are very low. Evan, I wish you and the family well. And I know that we've right. we've talked both off air and on air, you and I. Yeah. And um and I wish you well with, with, with your future and I hope that everything goes better for the family from here on in. That's Evan Gerns, uh, brother of the late Andrew Gerns. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia, and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to in my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on. I'm really, really good you at selling. You the old Jordan Belfort now on me. I Send can. me this pen. Here's a pen. Yeah. All right. How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cents. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Hawks 96 <laughs> FM. Someone, someone sent in a message about the, the Eurovision. Put the wolf tones forward and tell them to sing up the ra. We won't win, but we get plenty of media attention. Fair enough. Fair enough. 0818 96 96 96. It seems that the Duns vouchers problem isn't new. I have a lot of trouble with the Duns app, so I make sure to screenshot my vouchers. That's always a good idea. Screenshot something. I screenshot, for example, if I'm going on um, on holidays and I'm checking in with my boarding pass on my phone, rather than doing the shenanigans of pulling it out of the wallet of the phone, I'll screenshot it and just put it on the screen because you never know, the wallet can go a bit bad. 0818 96 96 96, getting back to Moira and what she was saying to us at the top of the show about the state of the nation, as it were, and the worries she has for younger people. 
Uh, there might be near full employment, says Mick, but wages are atrocious. I'm on less money now than I was in 2010, which is a worthwhile argument as well, because there are many people working and they are on very small wages, even though the minimum wage just went up again in January. Trying to live on it is a whole other conversation. I'll tell you after that, I saw the cutest poster. This is totally uh, by the by now and literally nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about next, but just a minute. Uh, do you or would you ever consider bringing your doggy to a hotel? Uh, there's a hotel we go to from time to time and you can bring your doggy, but we don't. Uh, there are many places where you just absolutely cannot bring your doggy. But there's a poster I have in front of me from a hotel where you can bring your doggy, which I'll read to you in a little while. But would you bring your doggy away to you, to a hotel with you if you were going away for the night? Is the doggy as important to you as bringing the children to the hotel? They'll probably cause less trouble, if you ask me sometimes. However, come to that lovely poster. I promise you, you'll, 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 you'll enjoy the poster. But first of all, I want to talk to Emma O'Shea about little Jerry. He's three now, Emma, and he was born... At 29 weeks, so so he was a tiny, tiny, tiny tot back then. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, he really was. He was born, as you say, 29 weeks. So he was born, he was 1.6 kg when he was born. So he was teeny, teeny, tiny. I suppose I went into labour totally unexpectedly. I have three older children who were, you know, born full term. And suddenly at 29 weeks, um, following an emergency section, we found ourselves with this tiny little baby inside the NICU inside the COMH and we didn't know what to do he, he <laughs> was there. he barely weighed more than a bag of sugar yeah like he was tiny and I suppose he was about the size just bigger than our hands and you know you're terrified of him actually so I mean you're terrified enough when you bring home a full-term baby you know seven pounds the girls were all seven pounds and then you see this this little dot inside in the incubator and I remember it was about three days old when we were allowed to take him out for the first time and actually I didn't really want to. I was just so afraid of hurting him. Do you know what? How long, how long was he in the NICU? Him. He was there for six weeks so we were yeah. six full weeks there and it was a difficult time. It was over Christmas and I suppose the girls were four, six and eight at the time so you know, Santi's massive and they were so excited about it so you have in the one hand, you know, so excited the girls at home waiting for Santi to come and then you have your heartbreak inside in the hospital and you know they they weren't allowed in to see him so they saw him twice through the window downstairs you can it's just it's very low down the basement there you know and so they were allowed to come to the window to see him so they were upset at home from not being able to see their brother yeah. and then but the excitement of christmas you know so but yeah we were six weeks we came home just after christmas did, did they know it was a little brother they were getting initially or was no they didn't it was a total surprise so they were so excited so i suppose they didn't really understand the the gravity of it how you know how serious it was to have such a small baby they knew he was tiny and they knew I wasn't there every day so I would come home like so I was in the hospital for four days after had five days after having him and then I was at home so we would take the girls to school and someone would bring me in I'd stay inside in the NICU from nine o'clock to three o'clock every day and somebody mm. would bring me home and then my husband would come in when he could if he wasn't needed at home to mind them or you yeah. know um so yeah you just you just went in you sat with him they didn't know anything except for when they got to see him at the window and the girl the, the nurses in the NICU were excellent so yeah. they took off all his wires and everything so he'd be wearing a lot of wires for monitoring so that we could show him them at the window you know looking as normal you know as possible and 
you know, so it was it was a hard time, but I suppose you have to just keep going. You know, you just you just keep going. So how old are his sisters? So they are now seven, nine and 11. So they're, you know, so so, yeah, so they're fabulous with them. So, you know, so I suppose they all had different responses, did they, Emma? Yeah, do you know, so they're they're different. I suppose Maggie was only four, so she kind of didn't know what was going on. But the others, the six and eight year old did kind of Penny and Hannah and they just they just love him so much. So they do everything for him. They're very funny. They never let him rest for a second, do you know, which actually is the best thing ever for him. So he was diagnosed when he was four weeks old with a brain injury. Right. Um, so I suppose what happens when someone, a child is born so early at 29 weeks, they do routine um, ultrasounds, head ultrasounds, because it's so common for brain injuries to happen. So he had one his first day of life. And, you know, the, the technician or the consultant came to speak to us and said, oh, you know, uh, there's a bright spot on the on the ultrasound and we were like okay and they were like it's nothing to worry about you know we'll we'll keep an eye on it I says we were so overwhelmed with everything that was happening everything yeah. that was going on that we didn't actually we didn't it didn't we didn't even register it really to be you're honest you're kind of and I've um, spoken to a few parents who've had babies very prematurely you know you're traumatized anyway absolutely let absolutely. alone trying to you're, take on the trauma for your little baby this is it. So you're try- So I suppose it was my first section. You, you know, you're after that, and you're trying to, you know, walk down to the NICU. And I remember trying to walk down with my husband, and he was walking, and I was like, "You'll have to slow down." And he was like, "I'm barely moving," and I was like, "It's all I can do." <laughs> so you know, you have to. You know, you're dealing with all this, and then you you someone says something about some bright spot on some chest and you're like okay that's fine (laughs) and you just park it because you can't take in that information at the time and then they did another one two weeks later and again they said the same thing you know there's there's not much to worry about you know we'll just keep an eye on it and i mean the consultants and the staff inside the nicu are so excellent Mm -hmm. and they 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 they're so good to parents and they've such a good way that i mean we weren't worried it didn't didn't enter our heads and then on when he was four weeks old he had his third um, cranial ultrasound and I'll never forget the consultant rang us and he said look he said I'm really sorry but um, Jerry has a brain injury so you know it's devastating news it's a brain injury called um, PVL which is periventricular leukomalate and it's just a white matter so it's basically he's had a bleed at some stage they've no known no, no one calls. It's in just Jerry, there. In Jerry's yeah. situation, sometimes they do know, but I suppose with Jerry's, they don't. They reckon it happened about two to three weeks before he was born, okay. and it could have been just an infection or something. They they just don't know. So okay, okay. so yeah. it could have could have been what triggered his his early arrival. They don't know any of exactly, that. Exactly, no? yeah. exactly. Okay. You know, we just don't know. Wait, so, wait, yeah. When did you discover then that he had the, the cerebral palsy, Emma? So because I suppose in a way when this brain injury was discovered before he came out of hospital it was lucky for us because we were followed by services straight away so before we were even discharged from hospital we were referred to Enable Ireland so we stayed with physio in the hospital until we were accepted into Enable Ireland and so then at six months on his first um view so we had lockdown then so everything was done virtually so we met um, a team on Enable Ireland physio OT speech and language therapist so they saw him on zoom and kind of got us to 
do different things with them shows and they said you know that they would suspect that he had something all right and then we were formally diagnosed when he was about nine or ten months old by the consultant mm-hmm. and so he was diagnosed with right-sided spastic her um cerebral palsy which means that the brain injury is on his left hand side so it's his right hand side is affected it's very similar to a stroke you know so it's the muscles on his right side don't work as well as yours or mine they're they're too tight or something isn't that how it works they're too tight so that's the spasticity it causes tightness causes extra tone it's painful kind of sometimes how yeah you know so I mean he's very good he's a great child Um, but you know he does tire much easier he does wake quite um, frequently at night some, I mean he's three as well lots of three year olds wake quite frequently at night but mm. you know we do think that he gets kind of little spasms in his legs and stuff yeah, like that so, and stuff. Yeah. cramps and stuff do, you know, does he and have then, to wear splints and things or yeah he wears um, what's called an AFO it's yes. like it's an ankle foot orthosis it's like a splinter or brace so he wears that all day on his um, right hand leg and then by night he wears a cast so just the same as a cast if you've broken your leg except okay. Jerry's is cut down on one side so we can take it on and off so he wears that every night going to bed. So like a boot or something? Yeah, it's it's just like that. So it just keeps his foot in a certain position because the muscles, because they don't work properly, could be to to pull it the wrong way. Exactly. So it just, the longer he keeps it in the right position, the better for him. How how does that sort of, I mean, look, as a three-year-old, you want to take over the world and and you think you can. Much yeah. to the, much, much to the terror of your parents. I guess. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. how does it affect him being three? Um, well, I suppose it slows him down hugely. So, like, he we're, we are so lucky that he does walk, but I suppose he's very limited in what he can do with the splint on. Um, it's much more difficult for him to do lots of things, you know. To you know, he'll, he'll walk, but he falls a lot. Um, he can't keep up with his friends. So, you know, he wouldn't have the endurance. And I suppose he kind of, he can do everything in his own way, but he's much slower at it. He's much more, I'd say, deliberate. So, you know, we'll say a three-year-old will run in a playground and climb up a, a slide, climb yeah. up a ladder and go down a slide, whereas he'd have to think about how he was going to do any sort of an action. And so then you see little little kids being little kids, you know, they're all just running past him, skipping past him, because yeah. it just takes him so much longer to do everything, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Now, I'm aware of the kind of surgery he needs. I've come across it before. Um, and we, maybe we'll talk about that after I take a quick break. Will that be okay? Okay, that's fine, right. yeah, thank Talking you. Talking to Emma about Jerry. Jerry is heading for surgery in the US in July. It's a surgery called SDR to treat his cerebral palsy. We'll talk a little more in a couple of minutes. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 969696. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. So Jerry is three years old now. He has cerebral palsy. He was born at 29 weeks. He weighed only three and a half pounds. He was in hospital the first six weeks of his life. Then they discovered later that he had cerebral palsy. Palsy. Now, selective dorsal rhizotomy, Emma, I, I know what it is, so we'll k- keep it simple for, for, for listeners. It's a nerve operation that he has to have in America that will correct a lot of his problems. Isn't that right? Good morning yes. again. Yes, yes. 
Hopefully, yes. So the SDR, um, we're going to St. Louis first. And so, yes, they, it's a spinal operation. So they open his spine and they select out the nerves that are causing the tightness, causing the spasticity, and they cut those. So to permanently reduce and hopefully remove the spasticity. So therefore enabling his leg to get stronger. So at the moment, his leg, um, he can walk with it because the spasticity causes it to be very tight. Yes. And, you know, so that he can put weight and stuff on it. So when they cut these, muscles or they cut the nerves we should be able to strengthen the muscle underneath it so the spasticity um, prevents us from strengthening his actual muscles so the plan then will be once he gets the surgery done as he gets about, about two years of intensive physio is what he'll need to to strengthen these muscles like if you look at his leg at the moment like his right calf muscle is much much smaller than his left Yes. You know, so what what we want to do is to be able to strengthen these muscles to prevent future deterioration. Yes. Basically, you know, with kids with cerebral palsy as they grow, you know, they're much more likely to age prematurely because um, this this spasticity is stopping their muscles being used as normal. And we all know if we don't use our muscles, that's when they waste. And I suppose this is happening from you know from when they're born. Yes. So the more opportunity we can give him, you know, to get to do everything he can in his life. That's what we want. You know, we want to give him every chance he can to be the best he can be. And that's that's really what we're trying to do. It's a complicated surgery. You'll need to be in St. Louis for four to six weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. And and there's no funding for it. There's no insurance covers it. Nothing. No. No, 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 nothing, because it's it's in it's in America. So yeah, so yeah, we have to fundraise the whole lot. So even though it's not available in this country, there's no cover for it. No, no, there's no cover for it. No, no. So I think there, I think you can get it done in um, England. But in all the research that we've done, this um, doctor in America, yes. Dr. Park, is um, the best in the world. He's done over 5,000 of them with, um, right. you know, very good outcomes. He's, um, he's, the, go- so he's the go-to man. and they're, they're He's pe- the go-to, yeah. yeah. And yes. I suppose even if you went to England, you have to, you know, you'd have to pay for your surgery there. So, you know, we want to give him the very best opportunity. Yeah. So I suppose how, that's all any parent wants to give a child. Of course. Their very how, best much, how much are we looking at, Emma, to cover all this? So we're looking at 85,000 minimum, I suppose. So between the cost of the surgery, the cost of being out there, the flight, staying out there for your four weeks, and then it's the, it's the post-op, it's the recovery afterwards, it's the physio cost. So, you know, I suppose they recommend three to four times a week of physio. So we'd be looking at doing at least two to three physio sessions a week here um, uh, for the first year anyway, and then hopefully reducing it down. And then you've got equipment that you need to buy so that yeah. you can do the physio at home as well. You know, so we do a lot at home here with them already. So we just want to keep all that going. Now you've set up a fundraiser on GoFundMe. It's just... And there's been a huge so response. Amazing. Huge response. I mean, we really are so blown away by what the community, what a community can do for you, do you know? So it's up just about a week. It was it was last Thursday we launched it and it's it's over 30,000. And, you know, people are just so generous. Anybody who we talk to, you know, they say, oh, we'd love to support you. What can we do? The money that people are giving. And, you know, initially you see the, the names who have given money and you know them. And then there's names coming in that we don't know who they are. People, people just hear the story and they donate. And, you know, it's good. It's good. It's such a good thing. It just shows how good people are, how good yeah. a community we have in Cork, how good everybody is. It's just amazing. It's, it's, it's sad that you have to go to this. 
level, but or to, to the extent you'd think there'd be some kind of scheme to cover it or insurance would cover it or something. But there isn't. Yeah, so there isn't. There isn't, and and that that is what it is. But your community has come out big time. Where where do you live, Emma? So we're in Vickerstown, just outside Tower, Blarney okay. kind of direction, that kind of way. And yeah, I mean, we're not here. We're not long in our house. We actually moved into the house two weeks before Jerry was born. Um, <laughs> but the community around us here, I mean, are just fantastic. You know, the school, our neighbours, our family, our friends, everybody just rallies around. You know, we do a lot of appointments with Jerry and stuff. Everybody helps out. You know, everybody does play their part. And then since we've started this GoFundMe, people have been sharing it and, you know, you know, every, just everybody, everybody's just yeah. so good to us. There's a lovely video as well, which I watched this morning. It really is heartwarming it's stuff. Fab. How how are his sisters d- dealing with all of this with their their baby brother? Yeah, so they're very good. So you know, um, it's it's down to him. It's down to them that he's doing so well. Like they're they're always playing with him. Like I'll never forget. You know, when we started going to physio at first, and I suppose we were so new to all this, and <clears throat> they'd ask us to, you know, oh, make sure you come to him from the right hand side, and you know, put everything into his right hand. Mm. And sure, the girls would have him played. They wouldn't give him anything in the left his left hand. Everything would have to go to the right hand side. So you know, they bring him on and all like that. Yeah. I suppose they're finding it kind of difficult now at the moment there's a lot of talk about it um, it's you know it's always there so they're excited about going to America because obviously I wouldn't they'll all have to leave go, them yeah. behind yeah. they'll all have to go so that's that's very exciting they've never been to America before so <laughs> I think they're looking at it from that point of view but you know they know they know it'll take a lot I suppose they put up with a lot they're always left behind when I take cherry places so yeah. you know they're, you're always they're, having to be conscious of that aren't you Emma like that yeah. you've got these three beautiful girls Maggie, Penny and Hannah you've got to mind them too but Jerry Absolutely. needs needs the attention and you have to balance it don't you you really do it's very difficult it's, yeah. you know it's very and are they good at accepting there. it they're very good. I mean, they really, really are very good. Like they just sometimes we all have our wobbles, but, you know, they're very good and they just say, OK, that's fine. And, you know, they sometimes they're they'd like to know and see now with COVID, you can't bring them to any appointments or anything like that. You know, sometimes it might be nice that they'd see where yeah. he goes and stuff. It's kind of a bit of an unknown to them. But then saying that they're very good here, they'd always help out and, you know, they'll do whatever they can to help him and yeah. help me to be able to help him, which yeah. is brilliant. How is how how does he get on with them? He loves them. <laughs> he idolizes them. He follows them around or he'd come and they might be, you know, trying to do something themselves. And he'd come to me, mommy, Maggie won't play with me. Maggie won't play with me. Do you know, so <laughs> he knows how to get their attention. And, you know, do, but he does. He loves he loves them. And, you know, they're so good to him. I suppose, I mean, with lockdown as well, they're all he knew for so long. You yeah, know, he you know it's, it's so easy to side. forget him. It is so, yeah. um, it's so easy to forget. For me, for example, just me as an individual, how it must have been like to to bring a new child into the world in the middle of lockdown and then discover that you had this difficulty and try to deal yeah. with all that. It was, we found it very hard. There was so little support out there. I suppose Enable were great to us, but actually peer support from myself and from my husband, yes. you know, there was nobody we could meet. You couldn't meet anybody. So there was nobody you could meet just to say, oh, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, there was different words. Like yeah. the first time I heard AFO, which is the splint, you know, I was like, I don't know what this is. What are they talking about? What do they mean? What does it look like? You know, so 
if if pre-lockdown there would have been supports in place for parents like that but that's all gone and you know it's very hard so I always try and reach out to new parents if I can on Facebook Facebook is great actually yes. for these kind of things do you know just to say you know other people have been through this and you know it is difficult it is daunting but there is people out there to oh. you know to help well, you just have to find them I said to you that I'm I'm familiar with the surgery I'm familiar with 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 even with the the work of of, of the doctor Dr Park because there's a good friend of the show here and has become a personal friend of mine over the years Antoinette and her daughter Katie had the same surgery so that's how I came across it first of yeah. all so I'm aware of it and and they have their own ongoing campaigns on Facebook and on all sorts of social media we're sharing your GoFundMe now on our Thank Twitter, you so much. Um, to see, can you get more? When when is the, is there an appoint, is there an appointment actually made? When when do you need to go? No, so it's July. So we're on the list for July. So they don't make their surgery list till three months beforehand. So in April we'll find out what actual date, but it, it will be July or maybe early August. But so, I suppose because we want to bring all the children with us. Our daughter Hannah is starting secondary school. She's in sixth class now in September. So we want to be well back in time for her to sure. be able to make that transition into secondary school as well. So we're hoping the early July. And do do, do you think? Do you have to have the, the money in place before you get the date? Yes, like w- majority of it anyway. So you have to pay for the surgery 45 days out and obviously okay. your flights and accommodation, all that will all have to be paid for. So it's a majority of it, yes. Okay, well, I wish you luck with it. We're sharing our GoFundMe. And I know. And I, thank you so much uh, for no, having me on. Not at all, not at all. I know the Cork BO have, have shared it intensively and so are lots of other people. You've got 30,000 in after how many days? Six days. You'll get there. You will get there. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers, Emma. Take care and our best to Maggie and to Penny and to Hannah and of course to to baby Jerry as well. Or little Jerry. He's not baby anymore. He's a big boy now. You try telling a three-year-old boy. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. He's a baby. <laughs> See how far that gets you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Kim um, messaged us last night from Altonen, which is a well-respected company in Cork. Um, Kim, very concerned about the tragedy in Turkey. I mentioned it at the top of the programme. It's all over the newspapers this morning. Harrowing, heartbreaking Pictures and speaking yesterday to Pam, whose husband is from Kusidasi, and she said to me, The reality is an awful lot worse than what we're seeing on the telly and seeing on the newspapers because some of the stuff you just can't broadcast and you just can't, can't print. It's, it's a terrible situation unfolding 
in in Turkey. And I think your sister-in-law, Kim, is just back. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, yes, my sister-in-law, my brother, and their little baby um, was in Turkey last week, and they just made it home on last Thursday. Um, they weren't near the, the quake zone as such. They were in Ankara, thank God. But um, her family is all safe, but she has, you know, friends that may have survived. They don't know because, you know, communication is probably very difficult in Turkey at the moment. Um, so that's why we're 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 answering the call of the the Turkish embassy in in, in Dublin really to put out this in kind aid campaign, um, and just asking the people of Cork that if they could help us in any way, big or small, you know, we'll make our way to to, to Dublin with all the donations. Yeah, you contacted us last night. I think you've been speaking about this yesterday as well with um, Evran from mm-hmm. downtown, one of the cafes. You need. Clothing, blankets, those kind of supplies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Turkish Embassy have called for items that are possibly unused or new um, from a hygiene perspective, I would imagine. Um, so I've been looking recently there, like the, 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 the cold that they're experiencing in Turkey is, is obviously um, a huge factor. So I think maybe hats, scarves, gloves, jackets, coats, um, oh, this is all for adults and kids. Um, torches if possible because I've just seen on, on Sky News there that um, there's no heating or electricity in these tented camps yeah. so if possible torches or camping lights something maybe that might need a battery I don't know what, what would be on the market but you know something hopefully relatively cheap if, if, if there's something available Yeah, and where do they have to get it to so that you can get it to Dublin because yeah, so moving in storage is what you do anyway it is, yeah. So that's why we're facilitating this, facilitating this really because we have the vans to get it to Dublin. Um, we're calling for all donations to be delivered to our depot here in Ovens. Um, our air code is P31EP95 and donations can, can come anytime from here to Friday. Um, and whatever we get, we'll be delivering it to um, the Turkish Embassy in Dublin. And the Embassy then will do all the, the heavy lifting, as it were, from there on the, the, to get it on the plane and get it over there. Exactly. Turkish Airlines have come on board. They're going to ship out all the aid um, either to Istanbul or wherever the, the nearest airport they can get it to. And then obviously it'll be chucked on then to the, the, the disaster zone as such, really. It seems to be an admirable um, response by the emergency services and the army. The Turkish army, is it? they took over all the airports in the region yeah. to get yeah, aid in and out. Absolutely. I've just been looking at the um, the Ankara um, airport there and it seems any flights in and out are going to the actual areas that have been affected. So it seems any, you know, passengers, as in civilian passengers, they seem to be pushed, 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 pushed aside for the moment, yeah. um, which is right. You know, yeah, that's this, exactly what army, should happen. My understanding is something I heard very early this morning, now, and you know the way you're, you're only half awake at six o'clock in the morning when you hear the news, yeah. that they, almost the Turkish army, as if they've almost sort of taken over the airports and said nothing in, nothing out, unless it's to do with, with aid for the earthquake. Absolutely, because as you said there earlier in the conversation, you know, we're only seeing a fraction of what's actually going on on, on TV bulletins, news, radio, everything. Um, what's coming on the ground there is obviously, I, I can't even put it into words no. really what's happening out there really, to be honest with you. But, but there's some right shocking do- drone footage on, on YouTube uh, of, yeah. over the last 24 hours. Real shocking stuff. Like you're talking about, you're talking about 10 and 12 and 15 storey buildings 
that had people in them that are now a yeah. pile of rubble. Yeah, it's it like the, the figures have slowly creeped up um, since learning this on Monday morning. Really, when we all woke up, um, it's pushing ten thousand now, and I, it's not going to stop at that. Unfortunately, no, it won't. No, no it won't. they were saying last night. Someone from the United Nations was saying, "You really have three or four days, at most, yes. at most." And we're into what day three now. We are. That's it. Um, and the cold then as well. Like it's the weather out there at the moment is is shocking. Like. I think that was a big surprise to a lot of us, Kim. You know, because you go to Turkey on holidays in the summer and it's roasting. We don't think that in the winter time it can get so cold. Yeah. Well, look, we we found out firsthand like last week when my family were there. One day it was snowing, the next day it was sunny. So like they're getting four seasons in one day. Sure. What's, and what's your own connection to the area, Kim? Do you asking? Um, my sister-in-law from Ankara, so kind of in the, the centre of the country. They did feel the second quake, her family did feel it, um, but no damage reported. But um, she's very concerned, obviously, you know, and when the call came yesterday from the Turkish embassy, obviously the, the Turkish community here in Cork is huge. And they all know each other and they all got together um, to, to form some sort of, you know, an aid campaign yes. with the Turkish embassy. And this is where it's, it's kicking off. I'm hoping that, you know, we're all going to come together in this, be it big or small, whatever you can give. I know there's a lot going on here in Ireland at the moment. If it's a packing of nappies, people will be delighted with that. Yes. They have nothing in Turkey at the moment in the disaster zones, only clothes on their back. Yes. So I'm, and I'm some of those clothes are pajamas, from what I'm hearing, or what I've been been, been watching on the television. People in pajamas because they yeah. ran out of their houses in, in the early hours of the morning, and the house is now either gone or uninhabitable. So they're in the cold in their pajamas. Yeah, and you say like those those buildings are ten, fifteen stories high, possibly even higher, you know. And there's up upwards of nine or eight or nine thousand of those destroyed. So I mean, those people that have survived are going to be intended communities for how long yeah. they will need supplies to keep going. They will indeed. Kim, we'll give all the details out again. Thank you very much. That's Kim. She's from Altonen, which is an international moving and storage company uh, based in Ovens in Cork. They have a an air code, so if you want to get some bits and pieces together and drive it down to them, P31 EP95, put that into your maps and that'll get you down there. And they just need supplies for people who have been rendered homeless and they have nothing except the clothes on their back and some of those clothes had nothing more than pyjamas. They want coats and they want raincoats, boots, sweaters, trousers, gloves, scarves, hats, socks, shoes, underwear, sleeping bags, blankets, flasks, mattresses, nappies, hygiene products, sanitary pads, baby food, non-perishable uh, food, get it to Altonin, they will get it to the Turkish Embassy and the Turkish Embassy will get it to the effective, the affected region. As I said, I was listening to this morning, very early on to a news report where the Turkish army have literally just taken over pretty much any airport within shouting distance of this region uh, just to get aid in over the, the next uh, period of time. The, the, the numbers are enormous. The numbers are shocking. And it's, it's such a tragedy. I mentioned at the very top of the programme, those pictures that are in your newspapers this morning, I think the Irish Times have it. It's a picture of a man sitting there with his, uh, totally just taken over with grief, with his hand 
in a hole. And what he's doing is he is holding the hand of his 15-year-old daughter whose body has just been recovered. It's, it's heartbreaking. And remember, like Pam said yesterday, and indeed like Kim is telling us today, we're really only seeing what you can publish. We really are only seeing what is suitable to put on the front page of a newspaper or put on a television news report. It's horrible. 0818969696 on premature babies and young Jerry was uh, premature. My granddaughter was only one pound seven ounces when she was born at 26 weeks. She's now going on 13 and starting secondary school in September. Thanks for that. And back to the Gerns family and what they went through and as Evan said, look, they've got a little bit of closure now. They're a bit angry at what they found. But at least they know what happened now and they know, I suppose it helps to know, uh, Mary was on the phone to say, I wonder was there a psychiatrist on call for the prison? It seems to me to be just common sense that a prison is a place that might need the help of a psychiatrist from time to time. Maybe better again, shouldn't Cork Prison have a proper psychiatric service up up there as part of their setup. Yeah, it's something you wonder, wouldn't you, Mary, that a place like a prison would have at least a psychologist on the staff. And I don't know whether they do or not. Don't think to have a psychologist or a or a psychiatrist on their staff. Come back to some of the stuff from yesterday. We're talking about cyclists uh, chatting with um with Neil Fox about the campaign to make the roads safer for cyclists and to do more for them and there's a lot going on around town at the moment with new pavements and new cycle lanes and all of that you can get high vis vests for free from the RSA, the Road Safety Authority everyone should have them and wear them says Mary, Deirdre says it would be nice if the cyclists stayed off the footpaths then it's a joke it's if a motorist overtakes a cyclist, you have to have a meter between you. That news for you. It's two meters. If a cyclist overtakes the car at traffic, so they can practically touch the car. You need car seats for children in cars, but you can take children out in trailers attached to the bike, and you can put them in front of the bike. You can take kiddies out on their own bikes on a main road. It boggles the mind, says Pat. Yeah, I've seen those. You know those ones. They're like. They're like a trailer bike or a carrier bike. And they either have two kids or one kid sitting in front or sitting at the back. There was a fella, I don't know if he's still there because I'm coming into work now at a different time. But when I was driving the children to school in Douglas back in the day, I'd see this fella every morning cycling down there across from, say, Tesco's or the South County, across towards the other side of the village. And he had either one or two children on this big carrier on the bike. And that's not, like, that's not yesterday. That's not, that's 10 years ago or more. And there's more of them out there now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor old Pat, his mind is boggled. Here's the thing. Um, This is just something else I heard this morning when I was getting up and making me coffee at stupid o'clock this morning was, how would you feel about changing the words of the Our Father? Th- those of you who pray, I know not everybody prays, I, I accept that, but those of you who do pray uh, and who pray to Our Father or pray that rosary or whatever, uh, how would you feel about changing 
the words of our father to something gender neutral. I'm not joking you. The Church of England, this is from the independent newspaper in the UK, the Church of England wants to consider an alternative start to our father or consider an alternative name for God. Uh, Some priests in the Church of England have apparently asked to be allowed to use gender-neutral pronouns for God, which, fine, which none of us know whether God is a man or a woman. We, We don't, I guess. We've always assumed God was a man, rightly or wrongly. Allah is assumed to be a man. Jehovah is assumed to be a man. We've always assumed God to be a man, so we refer to him as he, the Jesus Christ, as he. But now in the Church of England, they're thinking of changing it to gender-neutral terms, which would probably mean a change in the words of the Our Father. Now, the Catholic Church are not talking about this. But supposing they did, what would you think? What would you think? It's worth. I'd love to know what you think about that. It's one of the bizarre stories around in today's paper. All right, we've got Emily now, line three. Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you? It is very hard to take it in, isn't it? It's crazy. It really is. It's so hard to comprehend. And I mean, the more videos and everything else that I'm seeing online on Facebook and stuff like that, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Yeah. Like if you go into YouTube and search Turkish earthquake, some of the stuff yeah. that doesn't make the television is in there. Yeah. Or even I was looking on Snapchat now as well last night. And if you go into Snapchat maps, you can kind of zoom into a certain area. And you're just basically seeing things as they're happening from the people that are, you know, experiencing it. You know, it's it's not things from the news. It's those real people that are there and, you know, it's tragic. Now, you're working in the, the Toker Post Office there, Morgan's Shop. I know the Morgan's Shop, yeah, the Toker place, Post Emily. Office. I yeah, yeah. Um, and you want to help? Yeah. I was talking to Pamela. Pamela will come in here. Uh, she's a very regular customer and I was talking to her about it yesterday and well, Pamela I was on to me, yeah? Yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah okay. and I suppose it's just when you're talking to somebody as well who has connections there it just makes it real as well and I thought she spoke so well yesterday on the radio you know, really kind of I don't know it makes it reality and we were just yeah. saying if we could help we will and I know ovens is probably a hard place to get for a lot of people so if they want to drop stuff here and we have a big van we can bring it out um, on Friday to Ovens. Hotel Tolan, yeah, great. It just might make it a bit more manageable and, you know, reachable for people. Yeah, yeah. We are incredible, aren't we, as a people, Emily, the way we we do this. I don't know whether, I I, I assume it's all over the country, but I think as people here in Cork, I remember there was an earthquake in Pakistan and I was a a member of the Carrigaline Lions Club at the time and and we organised to get a 40-foot into the car park by the only way and we had to get a second one. Do you know, uh, people just... That's what I'm half afraid of here. Now we're looking around going, we better start clearing the place out and tidying things up to make room. But you have a van ready. We do, we do. And And we have space. Yeah. Um, I just, I think when Pamela said as well yesterday, like she kind of put it into perspective, imagine all of Cork and Limerick just being gone. You know, it kind of makes it real. Gone, like you know, not broken, not damaged, not not gone. gone. Yeah, they've nothing. Poor things. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if it's like it's not going to last forever, you know, if we can just do this for a few days and it means that it gets it over to them, then we're more than willing to help. Okay, so it's Morgan's shop, uh, Toker Post Office. People will know it very well. You'll have a van ready to go Friday to get the gear out to 
to ovens where Al Tonin will take it to Dublin and to the Turkish Embassy and the Turkish Embassy will do everything from there and that seems to be so well organised in that end which is brilliant they've they've organised it in the blink of an eye which is great so all Mm -hmm. it needs to do is get the stuff to you and talk and this get people in in the wider talker Glasheen, that general area, out yeah. to Morgan's shop to the post office and they'll have a van and they'll fill it on, on Friday. Emily, thank you for that. I'm sure there'll be other people and if you are doing something like that, do let me know at 0818969696. She's back there with lands if you need her again. Just to remind you what they want again. Uh, remember, it's cold out there. It's freezing cold out there at the moment. It's, it's barely getting over freezing by day, let alone during the night. Uh, it can drop to minus... 12, minus 13 more in some parts of the earthquake affected region. They need jackets, they need raincoats, they need boots and sweaters and trousers, sleeping bags, blankets, thermal underwear, ordinary underwear, hats, scarves, gloves, socks, thick socks. They need flasks, they need sleeping bags, they need hygiene products, they need baby food, they need non-perishable foods. And there's a great bit of organisation going on where the embassy in Dublin, the Turkish embassy will get everything to the airport and get everything to a plane and get everything out there uh, we just need to get the stuff to them you can take it down to Altonen in Ovens, there's that college in Dryden Street they're taking it in and now Morgan's shop uh, Stroke Toker Post Office which is open from half seven in the morning to nine at night Monday to Friday this week all right, half seven in the morning to nine at night. They'll take a van, fill a van on Friday, and they'll bring it out to Altonin in Ovens. If you want to go directly to Altonin in Ovens, you can do that. Their air code, pop it into your satnav or whatever you're using, P31 EP95. They'll get it there. Just as much stuff as you can bring, they'll get it there. And as much stuff as you can get to Dublin or can be gotten to Dublin the Turkish Embassy will get it to the affected areas. 0818 96 96 96. Where did you meet now? How did you meet that you met someone from Cork? You're from Scotland and then you ended up coming back here. So what was the scenario? Uh, I was uh, I was playing poker at the Irish Poker Open in uh, Dublin. Okay. And, uh, and we met there. She spotted me from across the table or so the story goes. And you give she her the spotted post- you or she spotted your hand? Mate, <laughs> <laughs> hey, more than likely. That guy's got a royal flush. Hey, hey, hey Scotty, come over here. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Quartz 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. 818 AM is the first time of the day you're likely to have something stressful happen to you. It's true though, isn't it? You know, it's the time of the morning where if you're the first one out of the house, you're likely to get the text to say the dog just done a poo in the kitchen. To which an answer, well, that was okay when I left. That's not going to That's not going to cut it. <laughs> it's, it's the time you're most likely to have the first row of the day with someone, 8.18 a.m. <laughs> 
just it's it's what you have to get past it. I don't like, for example, I don't like taking phone calls that weren't planned and having meetings that weren't planned at quarter past eight in the morning. Cause it's the time. It's the time the whole thing day is going to get torn up and destroyed before you even start. 0818 96 96 96 the number of the text of WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96 I have two tickets for you to see Rod Stewart live at the marquee on the 20th of June those tickets go on sale tomorrow morning they'll sell out in a matter of an hour I'd say if not two hours if not less than than that there's only 5,000 seats in the marquee Rod Stewart guaranteed to, to sell out for them but I have the first four sets of tickets to give you away I got one yesterday we've got one today it's an interview with Rod Stewart this is a clip from it what word have we bleeped out what I do you know I've got two youngsters yeah. eight children all together um, is I plan my tours around the kids alright what is the missing word there your name and that word to 083 396 96 96 for pick one before we finish. I just mentioned this as a by the by, having heard it on the radio this morning early and seen it in the newspapers. And I'm wondering, like, how you'd go about doing it. Like, what else are you going to say only our father who art in heaven? You can hardly start saying our mother who art in heaven, can you? Do you say our Lord? Well, you don't because. You can't, because Lord is effectively a male. And this is the Church of England discussion. It's not even in the Church of Ireland yet, but and it's certainly, I don't think, in the Catholic Church yet. But they're looking at using more gender-neutral terms, which might involve the changing of the script, if you want, of some liturgy. And it's, it's, it's not like they're saying it has to happen. It's just a discussion. But you don't think it's one that even needs to be had, Sarah, do you? Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, first of all, I'd like to start by saying that I think you do an amazing job. Um, I'm a regular listener Thank when I'm you. in Cork, and I think that you highlight so many, particularly that little boy going to America, all the different, and the turkey aid. I think you do a wonderful job. You're very kind. Thank I, you. I'm mid-70s. Um, my name has been changed to protect my identity, um, but that's okay. I am so upset with this woke thing, the subject you're just bringing up. I know it's only muted. I know it's only um, just something that's been thrown out by the Church of England. But in the name of all that's good, I was going to say unholy, but that's a pun. What is the world coming to if you are going to change the name of the Lord's Prayer? This woke thing is gone totally crazy. I think this whole gender-neutral thing is ruining the whole my children, grandchildren. I cannot believe that this could even be possibly muted. Yeah. I'd be interested in what other... I wasn't going to give the call. I was just going to tell your, um, you know, the girl who I called. But yeah, she yeah. said no, she'd like me. I, I'm, it, I'm it, delighted that you have come on because it's, it, I didn't realise this morning when I heard it, like I said, I heard it on the radio and then read it in the paper. It, it's, it's a conversation starter. Like the one question that is unclear, this is an idea in the Church of England. They're considering it. There's a man called Reverend Dr. Michael Ipgrave, who is the Bishop of Litchfield, Litchfield and Vice Chair of some important committee. He said they've been exploring the use of gendered language in relation to God for several years and they're still discussing it and they don't really know where they're going to go. The question being raised then is, well, how would you change the name or how would you change 
our, the, the Lord's Prayer, the most basic prayer of our church and theirs, is our Father who art in heaven. So what do you, what do you say instead? I mean, PJ, I, I'm sorry, but if half the people in this world that are creating this, I mean, I mean trembling with rage at the thought of it, that this woke the rubbish, if they'd even go to church to say they are Father, it would be a one, the world would be a better place. I mean, they're out there creating this ridiculous, I mean, it's, look, I'm just going to go around in circles. And I I just, I I think this walk thing is incredible to think they'd bring it into the church. Uh, Maybe, maybe a question that would be raised though, Sarah, and, and, and taking on board what you say would be, well, what difference, Sarah, would it make to your life if we did change the word? Do you know what? PJ, I suppose it wouldn't, except that I'm in my mid-70s and a lot of people of hundreds of years before me. And if it ain't broke, just don't fix it. I mean, we don't have to change everything. Yeah. Everything does not have to be changed. And what they are changing, the world is not a better place for it. Uh, Is it not? Is it not a more inclusive world, maybe? Oh, jeez. I mean, PJ. Come on, you've got kids, I've got kids. Yeah. Our kids have all, my kids are in their 50s. They've always felt included. Yeah. I mean, and my grandchildren feel included. But this, it's, you're putting on this, you go on from this gender stuff to children being born, and then you're going to ask them when they're around 10, 12, what gender they want to be. I mean, just let children be children. Yeah. Let the world look I know I may be old, I don't feel old, but I feel, if it, as I, just putting it in, I did not intend to be on the radio. No, and I'm it, so glad you called, because when I heard this this morning um, on, on the radio, and I saw it in the newspaper, I said, that's just, just interesting, and I just brought it to the show to see what people would think, and I'm very glad you've called. I'd be interested to see if anyone else calls in. As I said, I didn't mean to be put on air, but if it ain't broke, don't fix well, it. Very... I, I will always... Whatever they do, I will always say, Our Father, who art in heaven. Well, Sarah, I'm, I'm delighted that you did decide to come on air when he were asked you. Thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. You know what? If you think that the church changing or thinking about changing, the Church of England, I stress, thinking about changing words like the start of the elf, if you think that's woke, I would, I, I, a little jump for joy yesterday when I saw the news about um, Faulty Towers being recreated. Basil Faulty, John Cleese is, what is he, 80-something now? But he and his daughter are recreating Faulty Towers. Uh, Definitely one and possibly two series to be made. The original comedy show, Faulty Towers, what was it? Only ever, there was only ever 12 episodes of Faulty Towers, but they've been seen over and over and over and over again. And now, John Cleese is looking to recreate it as a kind of a platform, I guess, for his daughter's career more than anything else. But I'm wondering, will they be able to get away with the stuff they got away with and was thoroughly enjoyable in the 70s? I don't think they will somehow. I don't think they will. With regards to what Sarah was saying, the words of the Our Father, the Church of England may change them. What would you think?
do you even care? 0818 96 96 96. A good one on, from Sharon on cycle lanes and cyclists, which I'll get to in a while. Also want to check in with the Land of Wonder down under where it's high summer and talk to a Corkman who went out there at the behest of a woman and is glad he did. You guys ready? Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. So the bosses here at the station want me to get more creative in these ads. So they've drafted in this cool new AI program to really sell the show. You know, artificial intelligence. So here goes. Do you like listening to songs you think are good? Lorraine plays lots of them every day on the large commute to your abode. Uh, it's called the big drive home. But anyway, do you enjoy competitions that make you go woohoo when you win a prize? Lorraine has those too. Ah, come on! Don't miss the chance to make your commute entertaining and enjoyable. Don't drive home without Lorraine. There you go. You heard the man. A robot thing. Make sure you're with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, I forgot to tell, I tell you before the news I had got a photograph that made me very, very happy. A photograph sent to me from Dublin Airport. And then, of course, like like in Egypt, completely forgot to tell you what photograph it was. It was a photograph of Andy Chambers. Remember Andy? He was on the show here a week or two ago. Uh, His story, he's got um, he's got um, motor neuron disease and it's not looking good for him and he really wanted to get his, his partner, Cian, over here to be with him. I've just got a, po- a picture sent to me from Dublin Airport, and it's a picture of Cian pushing Andy in his wheelchair. And the message is, thanks again for all your help, Andy and Cian. And that picture has made me very happy. He sent that to my phone in the last uh, half an hour. That's wonderful, wonderful news. Andy and Cian are together. Uh, a story that started on this program a couple of weeks ago. It's been everywhere since, but it started here. Uh, and we reached out to whatever contacts we could find. And now there's a picture of him. It's a wonderful picture. There's a picture of Andy in Dublin Airport and seeing is pushing his wheelchair. It's fabulous. 0818 96 96 96. Now, you read this and you go, okay, this is good. Uh, nice to post some good news. I'm reading from the Blarney blog. Congratulations, Andrew Dennehy, who's from Blarney, a place that has no pool, no beach, and yet he has worked very hard to get his surf bronze medallion so he could join the volunteer Scarborough Surf Patrol to keep his family and community safe. He has already called in a tiger shark while he's on patrol and is chomping at the bit now to do the helicopter rescue training. Andrew lives and works in Perth, Western Australia, is married to Melissa, dad to his daughter Ashling and his son Ryan. He says hello to all his friends in Blarney and especially those in the Muskery Rugby Club. Oh, and did I mention I'm his mammy? Well, of course she's a proud mammy, is Kay. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Or good evening as it is over there. Now, what time is it in Perth? (laughs) Yeah, it's just getting dark. What time is uh, it? What time is it now? It's 20 past seven in in the evening. And what temperature is it? Oh, look, it's it's a cold. I mean, it, it barely touched 30 degrees today, so it's it's only around 24 degrees at the moment. Oh, so God, you're frozen. We're all, and you we're all feeling it. the cold at the moment. <laughs> I know, jeez. I've got, I got the heating on and the, the, the electric blanket upstairs. It's high summer, though, isn't it? 
It is, it is. So we're we're pretty much in the height of summer now. So January, February would be kind of the hottest two months. Fabulous. Um, You've so been there been, since 2018 and you went there at the behest of a woman. Tell me the story. Well, look, I, I'll, I'll set the record straight. It was 2008, actually. So it's been a while. But um, I every time I'm told it was the behest of a woman, I want to be clear, I made a huge sacrifice for her. And I moved all the way from Ireland over here uh, for her because she was, she was uh, born and raised here in WA. Right. And uh, we met in Ireland, and um, how did you she meet? Was probably ready to come. Well, so she actually trained uh, judo, and I trained uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, another grappling sport. And she turned up at our training one day with with all of her judo friends, and she was a brown belt at the time, and I was a white belt. And she threw me on my back, straddled me, choked me unconscious, and I woke up in love. Um, and who wouldn't after that kind of treatment? Um, so, so she she hung around uh, she hung around in Cork for a while, and then eventually. After a particularly egregious winter, she said, I don't like cold, I don't like rain, I don't like clouds, and I don't like more rain. So I'm going home and you can come with me or not. And so that's that's what I made that sacrifice for her to, she threw you to, to the floor. To the sunshine. She threw you on your back to the floor, straddled you and held yes. you down, and you fell in love with her. And and, and choked me unconscious. And it's and I woke up in love. Yeah. Okay. What's her name? Her name is Melissa. You see, if Melissa did, if Melissa did that to me, I wouldn't refuse anything. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't refuse much, to be honest. I, I would, uh, I would have a reputation around the traps as being a bit of a henpecked husband, to be honest. But uh, she's, she's a wonderful woman, and she's, you know, she's, she's incredibly hardworking and diligent, and you know, a terrific mother to our, our kids. And uh, how old are the kids now? Over. She's amazing. So they're seven and nine now. So uh, they're, they're, they're shooting up. They're. Ashling, the, the eldest is, is nearly finished primary school at this point, and it's, uh, time has flown. It feels like it was only yesterday. Incredible. What are you working out there, yeah. other than being at a your training? Is it lifeguard training you're doing? I, it's, it's lifesaver training. So the, the lifeguards are, are professional lifeguards, um, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're the hard cases. They're, they're, they're really professional and really good. Um, but there's a, there's a huge volunteer community then of lifesavers. Um, and so, so I kind of I stumbled into it almost by accident to be honest and it was only just recently um when when melissa signed the kids up for what they call uh, the little nippers program so it's it's surf it's surf safety and surf sports for kids and i uh, i turned up to pick up a little a little goodie bag for them and one of the instructors was saying oh sure you know we we, we love to get the parents involved would you consider jumping in the water and i said sure i, I could do that yeah. and then he said uh, but sure, if you're going to do that we'll, we'll set you up with the, the nippers rescue training and you can you can learn some water safety and, and help out. Okay. I said no problem, and he said, well, look, if you're going to do that, why don't you do the surf rescue certificate, and then you can join us on patrol. I said, sure, I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, look, if you're going to do that, you might as well do your bronze medallion and get it over with. The Aussies, I've, I've, I've had Aussie season. colleagues over the years, Andrew, you know, I, I've had some Aussie colleagues and once they realise they can get something out of you, they'll get more out of you and more out of you and more out of you. He was, he was the best salesman I ever saw. So this was a Thursday evening and he said, turn up at the pool on Saturday and we'll do your swim test and we'll get you started. And so I turned up on Saturday night, not really knowing what to expect. I hadn't swum in probably a year and a half. And uh, he was like, right, hop in there now, and you have to do 400 meters in nine minutes or whatever it was. And, geez, it was a close call, PJ. Like, I, I think I might have squeaked in a couple of seconds over the time limit. Right. And, uh, you know, and I, I put my hand up. I said, look, I, I don't know if I made it. And, and the, the lady taking the course said, oh, look, 
you, you made it all right. She said, you, you, had to, you held on to the wall a couple of times. If you hadn't done that, you'd, you'd be fine. You're, you're fine. Very good. And I was kind of saying, but if I hadn't held on to the wall, I probably would have drowned. Now, now that's a pool, right? <laughs> but in the, pool, the sea right. over there, in that part of us, there are tiger sharks. There, there are, yes. So we, we stumbled across one. So, so having completed the training, um, I, I finished the, the, the boat crew training on a, on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m., and uh, they happened to be short a crew member for the these, these little small like run around rubber rubber boats with uh, 25 horsepower engines on them. And they said, "Look, we're short a crew member. Would you mind jumping in just so we can get the boat out?" So I did. And as I jumped in, they called in a tiger shark down at our neighbouring beach. So so we went down, and you know they were evacuating the beach. It was a it was a big one, and we went down to to just patrol our kind of our cutoff point to that beach just to make sure it wasn't coming up uh, coming south to us. And then. You know, I checked the watch and I was like, look, I have to go back and collect the kids. So we turned the boat around and as we're heading back, we, we practically drove over another tiger shark. And I, was, you know, I was shocked, PJ. I was like, yeah, shocked is I one word. You're not going to find that in Fountainstown, you know? No, for sure. For sure. And, and you know, I knew we were out there looking for sharks, but I didn't actually expect to find one. So, yeah, within, you know, within a few a few minutes, really, of starting my first patrol, I, I called it in and it was confirmed, so I ended up on, on the Shark Watch app as a you know as a confirmed sighting. So, you know that was my first ever mm. patrol, my first time officially out there, and it was. Uh, I'm expecting now a, a quota of sharks per patrol at this point. Is this an ambition you ever had when or before Melissa flattened you on a judo mat all those years ago? <laughs> Look, I the the closest I would have come to a surf club to even understanding what a surf club was would have been watching Home and Away as a kid. Yeah. You know, everything happened at the surf club. So and that was that was my full and total exposure to it. And even up until just recently, I still really had no clue. I knew they were out there. I just didn't know what, was, what it was all about. Um, but, you know, I tell you, I'm hooked, PJ. It's just it's so much fun. And the people are so enthusiastic and everyone's so giving of their time. It would remind you of a real grassroots community GAA club, you know, Brilliant. where everyone pitches in. Is, is there a big... Irish, or better still, Cork community in that part of the world, because I know there was pre-COVID. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. So we there's a there's a, a thriving Irish community here in Perth. We have the the Irish club in Subiaco, and geez, we're just everywhere. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people have come over from from Cork and and elsewhere to uh, to make their home in Perth. So there's no uh, there's no lack of of kind of the Irish culture or there's no sense of, of homesickness, let's say, because there's, you know, you, you hear the accent, you know, every fourth person, it seems, on the street you bump into is is connected to Ireland. Yeah. You don't seem to lose it. No, I mean, you know, it's it's just one of those things you you, you just don't, I suppose. I, I've always had a reasonably flat accent and, and it just, mm. yeah, it just stuck with me. Yeah, married to an Aussie, you think you pick it up. Well, look, I'll drop the occasional mate from time to time, and you know, I'll I'll, I'll occasionally drop a, a slang word. And my my friends back home will be like, "Well, what are you saying?" But, uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 hard to lose it once it's once it's uh, bred yeah. in. It can't really be beaten out. I guess I guess not. So, do you get home much, or is that home now? I look, I mean, I think this is home now. You know, I mean, home is where the heart is. My family is here, and, and Mel's family are here, and they've been incredibly welcoming and they've, they've you know welcomed me into their into their hearts and homes so i think this is home now but we we, we went back after ashlyn was born but it's a big it's a big ask to get the four of us back um so you know un- unfortunately it, it tends to be you know for more for a family emergency so yeah. my dad passed away a few years back and i had to go back for that and that's 
you know, that's probably the only the only negative if I had to find one would be it's that distance from your your yeah. family back home. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, you're, you're talking and, about you're you're talking about several days, really, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at a push. So, so when my dad was was he was unwell for a while, so we knew, you know, we knew it was coming. And so when we got that phone call, you know, again, Melissa jumped into action and she had the flight booked. I'd say before the the phone call was finished, um, but it was a, you know, it's a it's a long and lonely flight when you when you're going by yourself. But yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things. But as I say, in the grand scheme of things, you know, especially in the context of you know the, the disaster in Turkey, there's there's far worse things that happen than than to be far from home. So, um, and you know, with social media these days and communication, what it is. I mean, I'm here talking to you now. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. Not hard isn't it? to, it's amazing. Phone and, get in touch, and, eh? and you know what? I, I'm completely with Mel on the winters because for yeah. every passing year of my life, I hate the winter more. Yes, yes. I mean, there is a winter there, I take it, is there? There is. So so here's the sad part, right? So the winter here, I mean, it gets down to a really cold day would be like single figures degrees, right? Okay. So, you know, five or six degrees. But but the houses here then, they're not really built for it, right? So they're not insulated. There's very little double glazing. Nobody has central heating. There's no such thing here. There's no, you know, there's no fire in the living room. Uh, for, for right, because there's reasons. no need? Um well, there's just no need, right? But but in the winter, it does get cold, and so the temperature outside tends to be the temperature inside the house. Right. And here's a confession for you. I, the first year I got here, I was shorts and T-shirt all through the winter. No problem. Second year, I put a hoodie on. And by the third year, I was starting to get a bit cold. And by about my fourth or fifth year here, for the first time in my life, I had to buy an electric blanket. And I became I went the totally opposite way from being able to handle the cold to being pathetic when it comes to the cold now. So uh, in that sense, I've I've certainly gone full Australian. <laughs> Andrew, it's imp- I, I'm I'm still laughing at the prospect of you being chokeholded into unconsciousness on a on a on a, yes. on, a, on, a on a what a, a mat a judo mat yeah. <laughs> and waking waking uh, up uh, in love. Well, she she's got three black belts now and a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So I've very much got my work cut out. You behave yourself, don't you? <laughs> Andrew, great to catch up and your mum and everyone from Blarney sends their best and continued success to you out there Yeah, and 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 my best to everyone and I will just just one more thing if I may PJ I tuned in earlier just just to listen into the show before I came on and I happened to overhear Emma talking about Jerry and as it turns out Emma's actually a good friend of mine and it's total coincidence that we happen to be on the show on the same day so I'll just send my best wishes to Emma and Ollie and Jerry and all the family yeah I tuned in just as she was talking and I was like, do I recognize that voice or is it just the accent? And then I was like, that's Emma. And then I heard the context. I was like, geez, that's Emma and Jerry for sure. So anyway, it's, it's a small know, world, right? It's a small world. They say it's a village. I, I disagree completely. It's a street. Yeah. It's just yeah, barely sure. a street. And, and this place is pure cork. This, this, this. Yeah. <laughs> it, mind them sharks, will you? I, well, look, I'll keep an eye on them. I won't get too close. All right. Cheers and best to the family. Andrew Dennehy, originally from Blarney, and person now since 2008. That's the funniest description I've ever heard of how, I mean, ever heard of how somebody met their wife. She was doing jiu-jitsu. He was doing judo. They met in a martial arts club. She flattened him, knocked him out, and he woke up in love. Beat that. And it's Valentine's Day next week. Beat that.
that's if we were giving away Valentine's dinners, if there was any point in trying to do it to people on the other side of the world, that would win the prize. They met. She flattened him. She knocked him out cold. And he woke up in love. Beat that now. 0818 96 96 96. There's quite a few of you interested in the Church of England idea with regard to gender neutral terms for for God. I'll come back to it. Oh, Jennifer, 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 Jennifer. I just got our gas bill. 700 euro. Between gas and electric, it's 1100 this time round. What a disaster. How are we supposed to exist like this? Well, Jennifer, in our house, was the other way around. The gas was, was dearer. Uh, actually, no, you're right. The gas is dearer, much dearer than Lecky. 1,100 euro between gas and electricity in Jennifer's house. How are we supposed to live? My gas bill for December and January came out of my account. 1,200 euro. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gas for December and January, 1,200 euro. I'm not in my house during the day and I only turn the heating on for an hour or so in the evening. I work two well-paid jobs and I'm really struggling. I feel like I'm just working to pay bills. That's that's the worst I've heard. That really is worst I've heard. Premier League is back this weekend. Premier League Live back on 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh. Saturday from midday, powered by TalkSport. Live coverage of West Ham against Chelsea at half 12. Arsenal v Brentford at 3. And Bournemouth against Newcastle at half past 5. Premier League Live online brought to you by Harvey Norman. Home, your home of the big screen. You can listen Saturday at 96fm.ie or download the app now. If you haven't got the app, download it now and you'll find the Premier League Live button there. What you'll also find on the app is all of the podcasts of the Opinion Line and we do the bones of 30 of them every week, including the full show every day. Now, they are wherever you get your podcasts, but you'll also find them on the app. So you get two for the price of one. Download the app, you get the Premier League Live and you can get our podcast of everything that we put up. 0818 96 96. 96. John on the Church of England says, I think there's constant changes and attempts to change the meaning of Christianity by those outside and inside it. I think the religion can't withstand it. I wonder, does it happen in other religions? Or or maybe it does. I don't know. It's not as strident and nasty when it does. Okay. Um, Bernie says, we can't change everything for the sake of a small minority. Now, having said that, when we do come across this minority, we need to act with kindness, goodness and compassion. I think the deeds that you do count for a lot more than your choice of language. People understand what you mean when you say, for example, manhole cover. It's not done to hurt anyone who has a gender difference. I believe a man is born a man and you can't change it. But having said that, if I came across someone who was transgender, I think I would respond in a way that minimized harm and hurt. Maria says, I think the Our Father should stay the same. I'm female, but I believe God is male, as he makes the lives of women of history, from menstrual cycles to childbirth to the menopause and everything in between. A woman definitely wouldn't have done it, says Maria. Yeah. And then Kevin says, all praise the Almighty, who art in heaven. Sort it. Stop it. I don't care. It's a distraction story, says Kevin. It is, Kev. 
But you know what? You got one of the best comments of the day on it. So it's a conversation starter for sure. Isn't it? Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Right, we've been to uh, Paris, and now we want to go to, is it Cape Town? Richard Armstrong. Morning, Richard. Good morning, PJ. Nice to talk to you. How are you uh, doing? And to you, sir. We got a lovely message from you in, in the last week or so. You listen to us. In Cape Town. Yep, I do. Yeah. What's What's the story? I live about uh, I live about forty kilometres from Cape Town, uh, very near to the tip of Africa, which is Cape Point, and I share the same ocean as I did when I had my house in Ireland, the Atlantic Ocean. My house is on the Atlantic Ocean here, and my house in Skull was on the Atlantic Ocean. Could have so if I could have swum far enough, I could have gone from one house to the other. <laughs> so, so how did you come to have a place in Skull? Um, the long story, but uh, about twenty years ago, I um, wanted to buy a house overseas. We went to Spain. I've come from England originally, but uh, I've been living in South Africa with my parents for many years. Mm-hmm. And we looked in Spain. We looked in France. We looked in old blighty England. None of it was for us. And uh, I've been reading up about Ireland for many years. So I had a bit of a fascination, and then I started reading about West Cork. And I don't know, PJ, something clicked with me. Yeah. So I told my wife I went to West Cork for three weeks to have a look around and see what it's like. And I went down to a little town called, lovely town called Skibbereen, Skib, they call it. No, it very You've well. You've probably been there, PJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lovely town, and I stayed there for three weeks and explored the whole of West Cork. And my, think, my friends think I'm bloody mad. <laughs> Why? Found this house at all. I want to buy it. <laughs> and she said, but I haven't seen it. I said, I'll send you some pictures. <laughs> so I sent her some pictures. And then she said, but how do you know we're going to like West Cork? I said, something just tells me this is the place for us. Yeah. So um, I bought the house without my wife even seeing it. And I took her there three, four months later and within a day, she could see why I fell in love with this beautiful place, especially West Cork. I don't really know the whole of Ireland, but I do know Cork and especially West Cork. Um, you know, all the lovely villages and towns all around there. My home was in Lower Town, just outside of Skull. My neighbour was Michael Collins, who's now a TB, TD in yeah. Ireland. Yeah, and, yeah. And remains a very good friend of mine. And um, when I first moved there, he was... Um, one of the first people I met, and we've remained friends ever since. And whenever I came there, he always came to visit me. Yeah. But as time went by, his phone became busier and busier and busier and busier. So at one time, he had four or five phones. They'd all be ringing. <laughs> so the visits got less and less because he was on his phone so much. And then, of course, he became an independent and went into politics. Yeah. Um, and were you living here constantly, Richard, or was it just visiting? Yeah, half and half. Okay. We did half half here in South Africa and half over there with the intention after two years to try and convince my children we wanted to move to Ireland. Right. My wife and I wanted to move to our home. We loved it. We loved the people. We loved everything about it. Yes, the weather can be trying, but, um, you know, that's just um, one of the bad things. There's many, many good things that outweigh this. But I couldn't convince my children. They're both um, adults. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to come to South Africa with us, uh, to Ireland with us. I couldn't convince them. 
So sadly, um, my dream didn't come true in the end because my dream was to move to Ireland, to Skull. But we couldn't do that. But it's not bad here. It's not bad here where I am. I mean, I'm on the sea. It's 31 degrees today. I've just had a swim. So it's not too bad. No. <laughs> and, and, and having spent many months in school, you know now how much that hurts yeah. to hear. <laughs> and the, 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 free, oh, no, the why, freezing sea. The freezing sea. Over. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked the other day on New Year's Day as a tradition in school, Christmas Day, a tradition I think in lots of places in Ireland, they all take a swim. Right. I think they're all bloody mad. I think they're all crazy, well. <laughs> you you love the people down there. You say they're very pure people. Irish people, I can only talk about the Cork people, cause I, but I'm sure they're all the same. But, you know, you always hear about the Irish people are friendly and full of jokes and very welcoming, but they're more than that. They're definitely more than that. Well, the people, all the people I met, they're pure, they're honest, they're uh, sincere in everything they say and do. And if they don't like you, they'll bloody well tell you. But if they do like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just found them, um, you know, from the farmers to the politicians to the businessmen to the professionals, they were all just – it's it's like going – I don't want to say it because it might sound bad, but it's almost like going in the past a little bit. And I found that very comforting mm-hmm. when you go into a grocery store and she talks to you when she's serving you and when you get you know, et cetera, et cetera. And which we certainly don't get here at all. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you can say it is like going back in time a bit, well, so, so it is. But, I mean, that's part of the skull, magical skull. They've got isn't great it, pubs. It? Now they've got a pub called Hackett's. I don't know if you know it. Great yeah. live music. I used to go there every week. Bun Ratties. I'm doing an advert for skull now. Bun Ratties for the best roast you can ever get. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're <laughs> listening the down there and they remember you. What, what do you actually do for a living, Richard? What, what, what's, what's your profession? I, I, well, I, I, I was a general manager of a bank, and then I had my own company, a financial services company, and I retired uh, a few years ago now. I'm in my 70s now, and unfortunately my wife has not been too well, and that was another reason why we had to stop traveling to Ireland. Yeah. So unfortunately, five years ago, it broke our hearts. I had so many meetings with my farmers in the Drapers in Lower Town saying, we don't want to sell this house, we want to move it, but I talk between ourselves. But, you know, at the end of the day, my kids are, and my grandchildren, it's too big a loss to leave them here and hopefully see them sometimes. Yeah. So we made the sad decision to stay here with our family. But we, both of us, would truly would have loved to move to Skull. We really, really loved it. Yeah. And, yes, the weather's terrible. January, February, March, I know that it's terrible, but wonderful things there. And, and you, you listen know, into us quite frequently to connect, keep your connection with Cork. Yes, yes, I've talked to Michael Collins and the Drapers and a few people, uh, Fritz in Goline, he has a retreat down in Goline. I talked to lots of them. Yes, yes, I keep in touch with all of them. I made many, many friends. I miss them dearly. Yeah, of course, communication is much better now. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking to me on a, on a WhatsApp oh. connection and it's it's so much, it's so easy to do that now. It must make a big difference. But you, you, you literally tune in to 96FM to catch up with your beloved Cork and your beloved West Cork. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I put it on my computer, and every every few days I put it on for a couple of hours and uh, listen to your program or one of the programs, listen to music, listen to some of the talk programs. A little bit of me goes back to Ireland. Lovely talking to you, and, and enjoy the fantastic weather inside. Do you get a winter down there at all? 
Oh, yes. No, I live right on the sea, and we're right near the Cape Point, which is the tip of Africa. So in winter, we get really big storms here. So, yeah, it gets cold here. We've got, we do have fireplaces, not like that guy in Perth. <laughs> We've got fireplaces, so we have to fi- have fires at night in winter. It gets cold um, and very stormy. Very, very stormy. Cape of Good Hope, Cape of Storms, it was called in the old days when they used to sail around here, the Cape of Storms. All right. All right. So, yeah, it gets cold. Wonderful talking to you and uh, wonderful. Thank you for for reaching out to connect. We got a message. Thank you, Richard Armstrong. Um, If you know him from down Skullway, he had a little house down there for 15 years or so, moved back, uh, sold the house, and went back to the South Africa, uh, what, four or five years ago? because uh, of his wife's health and listens to us regularly taking the mickey out of me as only he learned to do in West Cork and of course I fell for it too thank you Richard and the best of success to you and the best of health to your wife am I going to one or to three oh yeah we need to do this we need to do this we're giving away tickets every day this week they go on sale tomorrow tickets for Rod Stewart live at the Marquee on the 20th of June it's a Tuesday night we get over that. It be a school night. I could be here on the Wednesday night, a small bit delicate. However, uh, Tuesday night, 20th of June, Rod Stewart live at the Marquee with tickets. What word have we bleeped out here? What I do, you know, I've got two youngsters, yeah. eight children all together, um, is I plan my tours around the kids' Okay. Marie. Yeah, hello. How are you? How are you, Peter? You're in Mallow. Yeah. Have you, have you ever seen Rod Stewart before? I did the last time he came to Parky Cave. Very good. That was a great gig. I was there that night. Oh, it was mighty, yeah. You, mighty you, you didn't see him in, in, in the marquee the last time? No, never went to see him there. Can you imagine now? You remember that night? Do you remember Grace down in Parky Cave? Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant, Can yeah. Can you imagine how Grace is going to sound in the tent? Oh, fabulous. They're lifted. 25,000. They're lifted. You know, and, and, and then he kicks out yeah. the footballs. He played there in 2009, I think, and I was there for that. And so when I send you along, who would you oh, bring brilliant. with you? Um, I'd say my husband. Okay, you have to tell me, first of all, though, what word is left out? Holidays. Holidays, let's see. What I do, you know, I've got two youngsters, yeah. eight children all together, um, is I plan my tours around the kids' holidays. There you go. Holidays oh, is perfect. the word. Holidays is the word. So we'll see you live at the Marquee on the 20th of June, yourself and your hobby. What's his name, Mary? Uh, Chris Buckley. Chris Buckley. Okay. Listen, we'll see you on the 20th of June. She's back with you there, lads, if you need any more details. Another pair of tickets tomorrow. And tomorrow morning, the tickets for Rod Stewart go on sale at 9am through Ticketmaster. And I absolutely predict that by the time we're done tomorrow, uh, that concert will be completely sold out. 0818 96 96 96. We had the response to the uh, religion was, was bigger than I thought. We've had some stuff on on um, gas bills which we can come back to. Actually Ted Tynan Councillor Ted Tynan was on to us yesterday and I meant to come back to this today. A couple more responses. So we had that one there from Jennifer who just got her gas bill, €700. Euro. Um, between gas and electric, she spent 1100 this month alone. What a disaster. How are we supposed to exist like this? And, and the thing about it, too, is to get the good rates, good rates, he said, 
with a big smile on his face, to get the so-called good rates that are out there now, to get any kind of a discount on your lecky or your gas now, you have to do direct debit, which means that the flipping money just goes out of your account. It's gone. Uh, like a shot out of your account. The whole lot. Whoosh, gone. So Jennifer has had a whoosh of 1,100 quid from her bank this month. And then we had this one. Uh, they're all coming in now because the, the bills are landing. My gas bill for December and January came out of my account yesterday. 1,200. Oh, God almighty. 1,200 euro for gas. I'm not there during the day. I turned the heating on only for an hour or so. of two jobs, both well paid and I'm really, really struggling I feel like I'm just working to pay me bills huh? Councillor Ted Tynan was on yesterday who said and he said the government should nationalise the greedy energy companies they privatised the work of large parts of the ESB a few years ago it was a fantastic state company before that Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Labour and the Green Party are responsible for this crisis, they're relying on private companies to solve it, and they will not Thanks, Councillor Ted Tynan. Someone else was on the phone in the midst of all of this to say, this will make your listeners very happy this morning. BP, the oil company, reported profit of the last 12 months of £23 billion sterling. Highest in its entire history. £23 billion sterling. The, the, the oil companies and gas companies and energy suppliers in general are making colossal money. And at the same time, people are crippled with their bills. Now, here's one. I got an electricity bill uh, about a week ago. And to cut a long story short, when I looked at it, I found a mistake. People should read their bills. I was billed for 73 days. 70 of those should have been at a 26% discount. But they only applied 8.5% over the whole 73 days. Now that's a considerable chunk of money that was taken in error. So watch that. Watch that. Also watch for estimate bills. Ring up your supplier. If you know the bill is coming out, ring up your supplier and give them a meter read. But that's one. Watch your bill. Watch your bill. See if you've been charged the right rate. Are you getting the right discount? That's quite considerable. 73 days they were billed for. 70 of them should have been at a 26% discount. Instead, it was only 85 over the whole 73 days. It's just getting crazy and the bills are dropping and they're just getting bigger. On, lastly, Faulty Towers. I was only looking for something to watch last night. I started watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, what a movie. Absolute classic. I'm still laughing. Now you tell me Faulty Towers is coming back. I can't wait, says Jer. Life is good. Ah, life is all right, too. It is. Put a smile on your face. And life is grand. Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Question 10. You're on nine out of ten, by the way, so far. Oh, God. Who married Rita Ora last week? You said... Taika. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, but the correct answer is uh, Taika. What? <laughs> you just won 2,000 Oh, my God. 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 Oh, my
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.